This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. The worship today was amazing, wasn't it? And the presence of God. I love, I love spirit-filled worship. I love being together with the people of the Lord, believers, lifting hands, open hearts, and seeing God move in a special way. It is a very special day. First, we are starting a new sermon series named Moving Forward. Everyone say Moving Forward. Very good. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be moving prayer forward, faith forward, our lives forward, marriage forward, relationships forward, and even the church forward. We're going to be talking about some big items, and I'm telling you, God is going to move in a very special way. We believe this year is going to be a very special year, not only uh, for this church, but also for you individually and your family. So we're excited about that. Also, this is a special day because it's January 15th. Does anybody know what January 15th is? It's the day that 80... Percent of all New Year's resolutions fail. It is like the like most eighty percent of New Year's resolutions have failed by the fifteenth. All right, so that means that some of you in here saw that Reese's peanut butter cup, and you said there's peanut butter in that Reese's peanut butter cup, and peanuts have protein, and protein have amino acids, and amino acids are the building blocks of life, and that's why you partook. All right, so uh, instead of abs of steel, you have flabs from meals. And then, um, but anyways, we are we are uh, we are moving forward. We're moving we're moving forward, and uh, this sermon series is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited because I feel like this is going to give us an opportunity to kind of really tackle some some big items that I, I feel like the the spirit is trying to to speak into the church about tackling and really creating the habits that are necessary for us to live successful. Christian lives. So with that, would you turn your attention to Luke chapter 13? I want to dive into the verse that's going to be kind of like the launch pad for all of this sermon series, Luke 13 and verse 6. Luke 13 and 6, and it says this, then Jesus told this story, a man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Has anybody ever planted anything and you realize you planted a, a tree that needed to be in the sun and shade and you were going, what is happening? Anyways, we did that. That's happened to us. All right. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. I'm disappointed. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. One more chance. Leave it another year. This year can be different. This year can be special. Give it one more chance. And he says this, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. I really believe that this year for you can be a very special year for your life. It can be a life where you can go from just existing as a Christian to thriving as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. And this is an important thing because you and I have been called to bear fruit in the kingdom of God. There is no fulfillment in this life like knowing God's will for your, your life, knowing your place, knowing your space, and walking that out and seeing the fruit that God brings through fulfilling His will in your life. I'm going to tell you today that this year, if you make it the best year of your life spiritually, it will be the best year of your life. But it only happens if you pay attention and you give it the attention 
that it needs. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can move forward. We thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. Let it fall into good ground and bring forth much fruit. I know you're doing a work in us because you want to do a work through us. We give your name honor today. Your spirit is in this place. Continue to speak in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. A couple things. There's a story in the book of John chapter 4. It's a, it's a powerful story. And, and it, it's when Jesus meets this woman at a well. And this woman, she was kind of like this story where like, she tried and she tried and, 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 and life wasn't bearing good fruit. And what's amazing is Jesus meets her at her well at her moment and says, look, if you knew who it was standing in front of you, and if you only knew the possibilities and what he wanted to give you, you would ask of him. The problem is, right now, you don't know what's before you. The issue is, as many of us here today, God wants to do big things in our lives, but we just don't know what they are. And the only way you're going to find those out is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants to reveal a plan to you. In the book of Jeremiah, God speaks to Jeremiah and says, I have plans for you. I, I've had them from the beginning. Like, this is not something I just thought of and went, oh, got an idea. Like, these were, these were set from the foundation of the world. A purpose, a plan, a planting, a fruitfulness. And so he says these words, you just don't know yet. You don't know what's coming your way. And I feel like that today for somebody. You just don't know yet, but you're going to know. You're going to discover some things in Jesus. It's hid. Your life is hid in Christ. And when you discover Christ, you discover your life, a new life. And it's going to be amazing. Amen. I love this. Uh, There's a philosopher from Chicago. He's a young man. He said, life moves fast, and if you don't stop and pay attention, it'll pass you by. His name was Ferris Bueller. Many of you know him. <laughs> so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's what we're asking. Give us a year. Give us a year to pay attention, to jump in, dive in, go all in. Because I believe, again, if you make this the best year of your life spiritually, it will be, hands down, the best year year of your life. Maybe you're here today and you go, you know what? I don't know if there's any more. I mean, life is pretty amazing. Well, there's a guy by the name of uh, Paul. He was an apostle and he was pretty bad at the bone. In fact, he was like the Michael Jordan to basketball. He's the Michael Jordan of faith. Okay. He's bad to the bone. He's the Bruce Lee of martial arts. Okay. He's the St. Helena burger at super burger on fourth street of hamburgers. Okay. <laughs> That's Paul, the Apostle Paul. And look what he says. This man, he wins souls everywhere he goes. There's revival. He's planting churches. And watch what he says. Watch what he says. Philippians chapter 3 and 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is Paul. There's no greater church builder, church planter, soul winner than Paul. And he goes, I haven't arrived yet. I'm moving forward. I'm, I'm pressing on. So if you're here today and you're like, well, life's pretty good. I've done my thing. That was, a, that was a season. Let me just tell you that there is more in Christ for your life. There is an opportunity before us that God wants to open a door that only God can open. 
And it happens when we start paying attention back to the roots. In fact, that's what the story tells us. We've got to go back to the roots. The man started focusing on the roots. He puts fertilizer. He goes, you know what? We're going to make this thing bear fruit. We're going to create the environments. We're going to do all the things necessary. If we focus on the things that matter, we go back to the root of the matter, we will have fruit if we focus on the roots. And so that's what this is about. It's about moving our lives forward spiritually. Because we know that if you do well spiritually, you're going to do well in every area of your life. And that's what matters most is if you can get back to the basics and remember that Christ died to make us spiritually whole. He didn't die so he could make bad people good. He died so he could make those who were dead in sin live again. We have life in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12 and 2. I love this verse. It says this. Romans 12 and 2, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. This is where it starts. Fix your attention on God. Get your eyes back on God. You know that, that, that beast, I know there's a lot of beasts in the book of Revelation, but the, the one that's the coolest is the one with the eyeballs all over it, all right? It's got eyeballs on every side. And all day long, he stands before the presence of God and says, holy, holy, holy. And there's just something about making sure your eyes don't get off the glory of the Lord. And everything works when we keep our eyes on the main thing. I love what T.F. Tinney says. He says, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And when you do that, everything comes into alignment. It says this, you'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognized what he wants you to do, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. We're going to grow spiritually. How many of you want to grow spiritually this year? Anybody ready to move forward? All right, ready to move forward. Here we go. I'm going to give you five keys to moving forward spiritually. Five keys to moving forward Spiritually, Number one, you can put this on the back of your worship guide. You can write this down. If you have a, a, a great memory, just keep it in there, tuck it away. But just make sure you take this because five important keys to moving forward spiritually, moving your life forward spiritually this year, focusing, putting the attention that is necessary into this year and into your life and into your, into your walk with the Lord, your relationship with God, doing the right things to bring forth Fruit. Here we go. Number one, number one is we got to put God first. Everyone say, put God first. Now, here's the deal. I, I, would, I would bet that everyone in this room, God is somewhere on your list, okay? But he doesn't want to just be somewhere on your list. He wants to be at the top of your list. In fact, in, in fact there is a list that God made. It's called the Ten Commandments. And the first one was, no other gods before me. No other thing before me. I want to be first and foremost. That's how it works with God. God doesn't want to be the afterthought. He wants to be, he, he, he wants to be supreme in your life. If you'll seek first the kingdom, he says, I'll take care of the rest. Put me in my rightful place. And that's good news because everything that is under his headship is blessed. Under his covering is blessed. So I want to tuck my life under him. I want to tuck my future under him. I want to make him First. In fact, he's so passionate about this that the book that you and I love, the Bible, look how it begins. Genesis 1 and 1, this, the first four words, in the beginning, God. That's where he belongs. That's where he wants to be. He wants to be 
first. He wants to be the beginning of every new season. He wants to be the beginning of every prayer. He wants to be the beginning of all your ambitions. Make him number one. And if you make him number one, I'm going to tell you, everything in your life will shift if you put him in his rightful place because he deserves the number one because he's amazing because he first loved you when you were unlovable. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness? Let's make him number one. That's why we do first fruits. That's what the first fruits fast is about. It's about giving him the first part of our year. That's why in the morning, instead of complaining about the snoring, you just wake up and you give God a big praise. Come on, somebody. It's my wife in here. She is in here. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. That was actually reverse. That was me snoring. Anyways, the first, thing, the, the first thing we do, that's what tithe is. It's honoring God. God doesn't need our money, but he says, I want to know that I'm first. He wants to be first. He wants to be first. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, there's an interesting uh, teaching. Uh, Moses, he, he says something interesting. Uh, the, 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 the spirit, God, he says, look, when you come and you bring a sacrifice, when you go out to your herd and you pick a sacrifice, in our mind, logically, it would make total sense to pick the runt of the litter, the, the one that has the broken arm and, and, and uh, you know, is, is got tripped up in barbed wire and all messed up looking. Let's, let, let's kill that one. God says, I want the first, and I want the best. In fact, God says, if you give me any of the others, not only do I not accept it, it's an abomination. It kind of makes me sick. I want the best, and I want your first. And if you do that, I'll bless the rest. Make him first, and I promise you, he will bless the rest. I love what Abraham Lincoln says. He was in a meeting with leaders and officials, and, and there were some pastors during the Civil War, and, 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 and someone uh, said, hey, let's pray that God will be on our side during this war. Let's, let's pray. And this is what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, no, let's pray that we're on God's side. Let's pray that we're on God's side. Let's not, let's not try to fit him on our list. Let's, put, let's get our lives on his list. Amen. Number two, number two if we're going to move forward, number two, we've got to beat the giant in our life. Now, what does that mean? That means that there is, for everyone in this room, there is, that, there is that one thing, that glaring enemy, that one area of your life. Hebrews says this. It says, lay aside the weights and the sin. Sin means missing the mark. That, that area, he says, he says, lay aside the sin that does so easily beset you. You've got to overcome that this year. You've got to... You've got to be bodacious and get serious about overcoming that area. That area keeps tripping you up. There's a Goliath in your life. I don't know what it is. I don't even want to know what it is. But you've got to face your Goliath. And the only way you're going to face it is in the name of the Lord. David came in the name of Yahweh. I come against you. I don't come with swords. I don't come with this. I come in the name of the Lord. I will not fear you. I will not back down. Because on the other side of this victory, there is empowerment. There's kingdom. Come on, there's authority. You've got to face your giant. You've got to, you got, you got to face your giant. This is, this is the time to do it. You know, we had, my, my wife's car is always immaculate, okay? Even with kids that just, it just feels like everything crumbles, right? Just, there's, there's crumbling everywhere. And she, she has a way of just, just, her car is amazing. And I wish mine was more like hers. And she's just amazing. And, but, but a couple years ago, we, we got in the car and we were like, hmm. There's a, little, there's a little something going on in here. And uh, I, I remember this so vividly. I, we were like, mm, and then we, the spray, you know, 
what's going on? And uh, this is when the kids were much younger. Jude was just a baby. And, and, and finally, it just got worse. And we, we couldn't mask it. We couldn't burn candles. Okay, we were like, what is going on? And, you know, you're looking under seats. You're like, we can't find anything, something. We don't know what's. And finally, I did that whole, like, you're down on the, you know, you're down on the mats and your hands are, like, up and you're scraping your hands underneath the, you know what I'm talking about? And I finally found this bottle it was formula, okay, and it was juice. It had been under there for probably a couple months, and it had turned into mold, and then it was penicillin, and now it's medicine. I could sell it to Kaiser, but it was so pungent, and it was amazing. Like, everything we tried to do to mask it, nothing worked until we got it, found it, and got it out of the car. And I just want to tell someone today, like, there's something that, that it's just going to be, you can't cover it up anymore. You can't run from it. You've got to address it. You've got to find it, and you've got to get rid of it. If you're going to move your life forward, you've got, to, you've got to face your giant, whatever it is. But everybody has their giant. Watch this, Luke chapter 18 and 18. Luke chapter 18 and 18 says this. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your mother and your father. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. You still, there's one area you haven't given over, there's one area you haven't conquered yet. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. This was his one thing. And everybody in this room, you have that one thing. That one thing that just keeps you from walking in the power of the kingdom of God. That one area that you're not willing to let go. It may not be riches. It may not be that. But there's an area that God, he wants it. He wants you to overcome it. He wants you to give it because you can't walk with him unless you conquer this area. Come on, somebody. Moses had a temper, it kept him from the promised land. Samson had an issue with women, and it kept him from really fulfilling the will of God, defeating the Philistines in Israel. This one area, if you don't overcome it, it becomes that thing that overcomes you. And your vice will cause you to lose your voice, and when you lose your voice, you lose your victory. If you lose your voice in the spirit, if you lose your voice in prayer, you'll lose your victory. Your vice will make you lose your voice, your voice, will lo you'll lose your victory. Come on, somebody, can I get an amen? Here's the deal. Uh, screenwriters say that you don't have a great and epic story unless you have an epic conflict. You have to have an epic conflict. That's where the average Joe becomes a hero. And some of you today, you need, to, you need to step into an epic conflict with that giant and say, it's time to overcome. Maybe the only way you're going to overcome it is to get in a group and find freedom in that area. But you've got to do whatever it takes. Get to a conference, go to, go get a book, uh, get in a prayer team, get focused about it and say, but this is my year. I am moving forward. I am not settling for less. Can I get an amen, anybody? All right. Number three, number three, you can write this down. Develop spiritual habits. You will not move forward unless you develop spiritual habits. Now, the one big thing that keeps people from developing the, the right uh, habits, everyone has habits, okay? And habits bring a harvest. Every habit has a harvest. It's going to produce something. And so you make habits, and then habits make you. That's important to understand. So it's, it's, I think it was Aristotle who said, we are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do over and over. But the thing that keeps us from really developing the right habits is excuses. 
Excuses. We all have excuses. Too tired, too busy, too this, too that. And so we don't develop the spiritual habits that we're supposed to. I, um, I, I love, I grew up in the South, and we had, we had two jokes in the South. I grew up in Houston. Two jokes. Uh, number one was the Texas Longhorn versus the, the Texas A&M, the Aggies. We always had Aggie jokes, okay? We always made fun of Texas A&M, all right? The second one was hillbilly jokes. You ever heard a hillbilly joke? There was a guy, he, he was a hillbilly. He's driving down the road swerving, okay? Uh, an officer pulls him over. He says, sir... He said, you've been swerving all over. I, I, I want to I do a breathalyzer test right now. And, and the hillbilly said, sir, you, you can't do that. And the officer says, well, why can't I? He says, I, he said, I'm asthmatic. If you do that, he says, I'll pass out. He said, okay, well, then I'm going to take, uh, take you to the station, and we're going to do, do a blood test, okay? And we're going to do a blood test, and, and, and we're going to check out what's going on here. And he says, you, sir, you can't do that. He says, well, why not? He said, I'm a hemophiliac, and I, if you do that, uh, you put that needle, I'm going to bleed out all over the place. He says, all right, fine. He says, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take you to the station, and we're going to do a urine test. He says, sir, you can't do that. He says, well, why not? He said, because I'm diabetic, and it won't show up right, and you won't get the right information. He says, fine, I'm going to make you walk this straight line. He says, I can't do that. He says, why can't you do that? Because I'm drunk. So... <laughs> At some point, your excuses run out, all right? At some point, you run out of excuses. And so we want to develop the discipline, spiritual habits. Now, this is a great definition of discipline and creating spiritual habits. What I want now versus what I want most, okay? What I want now being overtaken by what I want most, it's easy for the now gratification, but what I want more is this. It's easy, you know, I, I, want, I want an In-N-Out burger, animal-style fries, and a Dr. Pepper. But what I want more is a spiritual breakthrough in this city. What I want more is people to find freedom in Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. And so at some point, you have to decide what, what I want now versus what I want more. And you've got to decide, do I, am I willing to put the habits, am I willing to start creating those things in my life that are going to move me forward? So, so one of the keys to creating spiritual habits is you, you've got to go SMART. Okay, And SMART stands for Sonoma Marin Area Rapid Transit. Okay, but it also stands for, okay, it also stands for being specific. S is for specific, or as my kids used to say, Pacific, okay, Pacific, okay, specific. So you got to be specific, specific with your goals, specific with um, your intention. You got to be specific. This is what I want to see. I want to grow in this area. I want to grow in prayer. I want to, I want to, there's a, there's a, there's a heart for teaching, and I want to, I want to develop that, all right? Whatever it is, it's got to be specific. Now, M stands for measurable, okay? Measurable. The reason this is important is because a lot of us, we do the pie in the sky. It's just, it's, yeah, we want to we wanna win the world. And, and we go, win the world. And then there's, like, you can't measure that, okay? It's not, it, it's not measurable, okay? It has to be, I, I want to do great for the, I want, I want Sonoma County to feel the love of Jesus. Okay, so what's measurable? Every day I want to tell someone my story, my testimony. That's measurable. Um, achievable has to be something that's achievable, okay? Something that you can do, all right? Um, I, I realize that, that uh, I, I like to play basketball, but I realize I will probably never dunk a basketball into a basketball hoop or goal that is at 10 feet. Nine feet, 
I'm really close, but not 10 feet, all right? So I just know it's not achievable, all right? The Lord did not bless me with the height of, of, of Eric, and, and uh, sometimes it makes me upset. But I'm okay with it. I'm working through it. The Lord's helping me. But it has to be achievable. It has to be relevant. It has to be relevant to, to, to your life and to the purpose that, that, that's in your heart and to what God's put on you and the burden and the vision. It has to be relevant. That's R. And then it has to have timeline or a, a timetable or, or it has to be put into time. So you've got to take good intentions and put it on your calendar. You've got to make it reality. You've got you to make it real. So when you create habits, you've got you to be specific, measurable. They've got to they gotta be achievable. And you've got to ha- have something that's relevant and it's got to be able to put on a timetable. Okay? Because if you, if you don't make plans for your life, your life will make plans for you, and that, that doesn't always work out well, okay? So here's some spiritual disciplines that are in the Bible. I don't have time to read them all in the Scripture. Just a couple things. Number one, Jesus went to the synagogue. The Bible says it was his custom to go. Every weekend he was going to the synagogue. He was ministering. He was teaching. He was listening. He was a part. Even from a child, he was going regularly. He was, he was connected to that rhythm. He created a rhythm, a spiritual rhythm of going to a place where there's worship, where the word is, where there's learning, where there's growing, where there's community, et cetera, et cetera. Number two, um, he, he prayed privately. So he had a private prayer life. He, he made that, a, that was a something he did. The Bible says often he would go alone. And then also, not only private prayer, but he had corporate prayer. So he, he would take his disciples. Many times they fell asleep, but that's okay. He still took them with him. So he had his group. He was in, he was in a group. He was breaking bread. He was with people. So he had these spiritual disciplines. He prayed regularly. And what, in fact, what's really cool is Jesus walked in the will of the Father by and through his personal disciplines. Jesus said, I don't do anything except my father tells me. I do what my father tells me to do. And where did he discover that? He discovered that through prayer. And in his prayer time, he gets his assignments and he goes out and does it. So he doesn't go out and and, and pray for people. He goes out and heals people. He prayed in his disciplines and then goes out and just speaks, you're healed. He didn't say, come over here, let's, let's pray for two hours. He said, I've already done the praying. I already have the assignment. Now I'm going out and I'm speaking healing, speaking deliverance, and it happens. So it was his spiritual habits and disciplines that brought the instruction, the guidance, and the deliverance to people's lives. So here's the deal, is, is you're going to find revelation, you're going to find instruction in your and during your spiritual disciplines. In fact, the Bible says in, in John chapter 8, it says, those who continue in my word, those who are connected to my word, those who are in my word, feasting in my word, eating that, that word, that bread, that life, they are my disciples indeed. You cannot be a disciple. You cannot move forward. You cannot walk this walk and grow spiritually without being connected to the word of God. Is that okay? You got to create those disciplines. So prayer, fasting, come on, going, get, getting connected. Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they met often groups. They met, they served one another. Uh, they, 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 they gave their possessions. They made sure there was equality and then people, people had enough. They were in true, true community. I don't even know if we've seen that kind of community of what God desires in our day yet. But there's going to be a day when that community comes back and God is able to, to break through a lot of uh, the American dream and break us into a place where we can serve one another the way that Christ wants us to serve one another. Can I get an amen from somebody for that? So let me just say this. Those spiritual disciplines, and those are just a few, Bible reading. And you say, I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't want to know. You know, there's apps. There's apps that you can listen to the Bible. Maybe you can't read through it. I know Leviticus, you're like, wow. And then Chronicles, so-and-so begets so-and-so. We know everybody likes to have kids in the Bible. All right. And you, but you get through it. You get, you, you get through it. But there's so much. Creating those disciplines. It's, it's seven, eight chapters a day. Get through those and just and, and, and create that discipline. Create those disciplines that matter. Number four. Number four, the law of immersion, being immersed. Everybody say immersed. 
So not only do we need the, the, the uh, disciplines, but we need to be immersed. And what that means is, is like you can't put like a toe in and expect to see results. You've got to dive in. You've got to jump in. You've got to plunge. That's what baptism means. When we're baptized, you know what that means? It means like we're fully immersed. Like God doesn't sprinkle Holy Spirit on people. Okay? He pours it out. He wants you to be fully immersed. Come on, somebody. Fully immersed. I'm going all in. I want all of it. All right? So, speaking of foreign language, how many here speak? How many here are bilingual? You're bilingual. And unknown, uh, praying in your unknown tongue does not count. All right? Okay. <laughs> we got a couple of hands. Hands went down. All right. We got four, five, six. Okay. People that were bilingual. I love it. When I go overseas, I love it because the big joke, the, when I used to, I used to speak in France a lot um, for this youth, this, this group, and I used to speak at their youth uh, conference, and, and they'd always joke about Americans, and they say, what do you call someone who can speak two languages? And uh, I'd say, bilingual. They say, what do you call someone who can speak three languages? They say, I say, trilingual. And they say, what do you call someone who can speak one language? And I say, I don't know. And they say, American. Ah, and they laugh and make fun of us. Anyways, but they, but they say the best way to learn a language is not in a classroom, okay? It's to be immersed in the culture. That's the best way. That's the way, you're, that's the way kids learn. That's the way our brain wants to learn, to be fully immersed in the culture. And, and if, we're going to, if we're going to really get this, be baptized with this, this, this new fire and this new purpose and walking out our spiritual faith, you've got to be immersed. That means whatever, like what's on your wall, I don't know. If it's, if it's an ACDC poster, take it down and put a scripture, okay? Look through your iTunes. You are going to go to a, a concert, a, a, you know, a rock concert, uh, find a Christian conference to go to. That okay? No tomatoes, please, all right? Like, you got to change it drastically. I want a drastic change. I want to I create the environment that is conducive for the change that I'm expecting God to do in my life. We can't be casual about it. we got to be bodacious about it. There was a guy by the name of Ivan the Great. He was a, a Russian czar, and he fell in love with a, a princess from down in Greece. And so he goes down, and they say, if you're going to be... If you're going to marry this girl, you have to become Greek Orthodox. And so he says, sign me up. What do I got to do? And they said, well, you got to be baptized, Greek Orthodox. And they said, you got to quit your occupation. You're a warrior. You can't kill anymore. You can't carry a sword anymore. And his 500 men are there. And he, goes, he looks at his men. And he goes, no, I can't do that. So they finally came to agreement where he would be baptized. They took him out to the ocean. They actually baptized him and 500 of his men. But they all took their sword and held it out of the water as they went down under the water and came back up. And there's a lot of people who do that. There's a part of your life that you've allowed God to emerge, uh, immerse, but there's, a, there's an area that you've, you've kept out. You haven't gone all in, and that's important. You've got to go all in. You've got to fully immerse your life. I'm changing some things. I'm going to create the environment that's conducive. All right, I'm going to change the dial on, on, on my uh, radio in the car. I'm going to get different CDs. I'm going to, I'm going to get some different, different books. I'm going, to start, I'm going to start creating the environment that's conducive to the vision that God has put in my heart. Amen? That even goes with friends. It goes with friends. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Not everybody who's good to you is good for you. So, so here's the deal. Friends many times are either your armor bearer taking you to your destiny or they're your pallbearer taking you to your grave. And you have to look and ask the question, are these people moving me forward or are they moving me back or keeping me stale? I want to move forward. I want to move my faith forward. 
And then number five, as I'm closing, you have to have a made-up mind. You have to have a made-up mind. James 1 and 6, James 1 and 6 says this, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable. They're double-minded and unstable in all that they do. You will get nothing if you are double-minded, if you're unsure, if you haven't sold out and bought in. If you're going to move forward and you're going to make this the best year of your life spiritually, I'm going to tell you one year, one year of deciding, you know what, I'm going to do it. I've tried church. I've tried the, tried the sidelines. I've tried to put one foot in and one foot out and do my thing. And Jesus is on the list, but he's not at the top. I've tried. I'm going to tell you, you go to growth track and discover your purpose. Get on a team. Make a difference. Get into a small group. Make a difference. Find the difference. Be changed. Get to church. Make church a custom. Make it a, a part of your routine. There's no question like, well, what are we doing today? It's Sunday. Like, we go to church. We're going to honor God. It's the first day of the week. We're going to make him number one. We're going to make this the first priority of our week. It makes the difference. Go all in. Get a Bible. Get a new one. If, if, if do, do something to shake it up. I'm going to get a new Bible. I'm going to get uh, the, the Audible Bible. I'm going to get something that I've got to shake this up. I've got to move forward. I'm making up my mind. There's a story of a, night, a, a gentleman by the name of Carlos Hathcock. Many of you maybe have heard of him. One of the, if not the greatest sniper in the history of, of the U.S. Armed Services, Carlos Hathcock. And he served in the, the Vietnam War. And uh, he was just an interesting and amazing story. But one of the most amazing stories was he had already kind of settled back. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done here. I'm, I'm heading, I want to go home. And they said, we have one more mission for you. We have got this mission with the general and his this this man from uh, North Vietnam this general man he's he's taken out people and taken out uh, American troops and it's just it's been really bad and we need you to to help and so he looked at the plans and they put him before me he goes hey this is a suicide mission and they said yeah probably they said but this is our only hope you'll have to spend at least three to five six days possibly crawling inches Every hour, maybe, if you can. And it's going to be 1,200 yards, and you're going to have to wait until you have a good shot. And so they had the plan. He made up his mind to do it. And his story is fabulous, and it's phenomenal, because he tells the story, you're, you're there. He's on the ground, and some days he can go feet, and some days he can go inches, and he's, he's moving. And he tells a story of where even, even North Vietnamese troops are are. are, 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 are 10, 20 feet away from him, and he's just there. He can't sneeze. He can't breathe loud. He's, he just, he's bunkered down. He talks about a, a, several snakes that just went over him and, and, and bugs that were all biting him all the time. And all he had, no food, all he had was a little canteen right here that he could drink from. This, this took him over five days to get to his spot. He, he described where bugs would go into one nostril and out the other, and he could do nothing. He couldn't move his body. He said he almost lost his mind. And he had to keep reminding himself the plan that was made at the beginning. 
The plan that was made when he was in his right mind. There was a plan that was made in the beginning. And this was the plan that he would not veer from and he would not fall out on because he many times wanted to stand up and run and just scream in pain and agony. He said, I planned it when I was in my right mind and I got to get to my destination. And you have to make a plan like Job. When the pain comes and the hurt comes and you're in that moment and, and, and Job's wife says, curse God and die. And he goes, there's no way. I made, I made up my mind. I'm going to serve God all the days of my life. I'll never curse him. No matter how bad it gets, I made up my mind. God is worthy. I came to this world naked. Naked I'm leaving. I'm not giving up on God. God hasn't given up on me. I got a made up mind. If you have a made-up mind, you can reach your goal. If you have a made-up mind, you can fulfill the purpose that God has purposed from the foundation of the earth for your life. But you've got to have a made-up mind because there's going to be moments when you go, this is crazy. There's going to be moments where you go, this is, this is too painful. But as you persevere and as you press through and as you move forward, you're going to find you're getting closer and closer and closer to seeing fruit. And that fruit comes and it comes and all of a sudden you find fulfillment. And it's contagious. And now it blesses other people. And now all of a sudden there's this momentum that's created. And all of a sudden there's this joy that comes into your life. Serving God has never been better. You start seeing friends and relatives come to know Jesus. You start getting involved and making a difference. And all of a sudden church is no longer boring. You're seeing the fruit of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago springing up in your life. Let's move life forward. Let's move our faith forward. Let's move church forward. Amen. Would you stand with me?